Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weekday Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Bellstar. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona, and the world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Tumbleweeds Health Center and Studio C, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest price certifications in town, you'll find hemp products accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit the Weeds Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. Hear me out there. We usually have our fair share of technical problems. So hopefully today is not that. How's it going? Oh my gosh. Where are the bells for the best? Maybe next week I'll bring out the music. Nine days left or something. Ten days? Ten days. Oh, can't even subtract your ad or anything. It's cool. It's about 10 days for the rest of you. Get out there. Get your shopping done. Whoop, I got my Christmas cookie goodies in the mail. Thank you for those. And uh, welcome to Wednesday Wednesday. Uh, we are going to have an awesome show today. We have a wonderful guest coming on. I think this is the first kind of uh, guest that we've had like this on in like 10 years. I was thinking about that. Oh, yeah, of course. That's going to be fun. And hopefully... Our show will continue to go. That's always the goal. Uh, so, welcome to Weed Day Wednesday, everybody. Here we go. All right. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. I have a crazy kitty who's like, oh, my God, it's cold and raining, and I am not going out. And I just told her I have a kitty. Kind of. Well, <laughs> the cat adopted me, so... It's in the house now, so something's happening with the cat. Anyway, it's too cold for her to be outside, so she's looking out the window. And she's like, ugh, it's just freaky cold outside. Uh, what's the weather like where you all are at? Um, what are you partaking in this morning? I had Gittles this morning. Indica. I'm an Indica girl. So that's what I have first thing in the morning, some Indica. Just kind of like bring it back down, bring the, bring the levels down. All right, well, thanks for tuning in. Thank you to Tumbleweeds Health Center, 4826 East Broadway Boulevard for uh, sponsoring and hosting and and taking care of this show for the last almost 10 years. Tumbleweeds just turned 10, and the radio show is going to turn 10 in April. Yeah, that's really awesome. 10 years of this. Woo! also, we want to give a shout out to the Goodleaf at 6224 East 
Speedway Boulevard in the uh, Bookman's uh, little section over there for all of you in Tucson. You know Bookman's, so we're smack dab up against the wall next Bookman's. Come see us. And come get some really awesome hemp and CBD products. Had a customer come in yesterday, and he walked in, and he goes, he walked in with a mission. He was on a mission. And he walked in, and he goes, is this hemp? Is this a hemp store? I said, yes, it is. He goes, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, all right. You're getting the right place, buddy. I think it was sleep problems. I'm not sure I remember what it was. That or a dog collar. Anywho, um, come and check us out. We have everything from sleep uh, things to help with sleep and dog collars. And um, I don't think we have cat collars. Do you even put collars on cats? That's just scary. That's just too scary to me. <laughs> They're scary little creatures. Um, yeah, and she just turned to look at me. I, she's like, I'm going to get you when you sleep. All right. Just kidding, kitty. Baby kitty. Um, all right. Awesome show today. We have on, let's see here. If you go to tumbleweedshealthcenter.com, go to the radio show and click it. You can check everybody out. Uh, Danielle Dow, founder, uh, co-CEO of EcoFarm Holdings, PBC. Uh, she leverages over 20 years of experience in the cannabis industry to manage EcoFarm and their clients' California cannabis operations, cultivation, propagation, policy, quality, and sales strategies. Wow. That's a lot right there. Uh, she brings over 10 years of expertise in distribution and supply chain relationships and utilizes this expertise to help both traditional and new organizations in the cannabis industry manage their supply chain operations. Uh, Danielle holds multiple certifications in sustainable building, regenerative farming, and permaculture. All right. Let's see. Please welcome Danielle to the show. Good morning. Thanks for your time Good morning. Today. Thanks for... Thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing well. Excellent. I hope we don't have too much of a feedback. I'm just trying to fix this show always. <laughs> yeah, am I coming in clear for you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Thanks for coming on. Um, we always have love, uh, love having new and interesting guests come on. I Literally, in almost 10 years, I don't think we've had... Uh, this type of client in the industry come on. So we're very excited. You are doing a lot over there. Tell us about what's going on. Oh, yeah. California supply chain is uh, it's quite a, a fun ride over here. Um, I'm in my lovely little apartment in Los Angeles as we speak. And, nice. um, yeah, the last five years um, through the transition of the industry has been quite a journey. So, uh, you know, we've been at it for a very long time and will continue to, to push forward here um, as the supply chain, you know, hopefully starts to level out and mature. Excellent. Um, and, um, yeah, that's a huge supply chain you're managing. California's huge. And they've been doing this for a very long time. It sounds like you've been in it since the beginning almost of their, well, their dispensaries anyway. 100%. Yeah, I've been working in the California industry for 20 years, as you mentioned, um, since the early Prop 215 and SB 420 regulatory framework, um, all the way fast forward now into the new regulated and recreational system. Um, I've been in, you know, cultivation, propagation, nurseries, um, advocacy and policy, obviously, um, and a lot of sales and direct-to-farm relationship building. So, you know, through my, my history, I've definitely worked in pretty much every element of the supply chain um, have, yeah. and have been very involved and the changes. Sounds like the only thing you haven't done is bud tender. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Wow. So tell us how you, you got into, are you from California? Is that how you got into all of this cannabis business? Because that's not something that, you know, people wake up and they're like, oh, I think I want to get into, you know, a cannabis business, you know. I mean, maybe nowadays, but <laughs> growing up, I certainly didn't think that. <laughs> and I grew up in Northern California, actually. Wow. A hundred percent. Yeah, I, I'm from Louisiana, uh, originally born in Arkansas, uh, raised in Louisiana in the Deep South. Um, and, you know, cannabis was, was very much not a part of my upbringing um, down in the South. It was, you know, frowned upon um, socially and, you know, around politically for sure. Um, and through my early years, I had a lot of different family members and friends who suffered from, you know, mental instability, sicknesses, illnesses, um, you know, pain, lack of sleep. And I watched them through the years just become addicted to all kinds of pharmaceuticals. Um, yeah. These pharmaceuticals did not fix the problem. Um, you know, they would maybe temporarily help. But at the end of the day, you know, I really watched a lot of people, you know, to debilitate and began to really seek out alternative health care um, and alternative choices. So, you know, fast forward uh, throughout my 20s uh, and my 30s, just being very, very intrigued with, um, you know, natural health care, herbology, um, you know, healing of the self and utilizing different types of plant medicines, including cannabis, uh, to support the body and the well-being, um, I found myself, you know, involved in the industry pretty quick. Um, you know, I, I went to Hawaii and actually met uh, my first uh, grower at, in Hawaii who was had his own little medical uh, cannabis little farm going on and just loved the plants uh, and immediately ended up in California very shortly after that and have been here ever since. I love California, that's for sure. That's awesome. In your picture, you don't even look a day over 20. You keep talking about, you know, all this. I'm like, 20 years experience, you don't look 20. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. I'm actually, my 40th is right around the corner. So uh, we've got a, oh. yeah, coming up. Yeah. Awesome. That 40s are great. It's no nonsense. <laughs> Seriously. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. it's fantastic. Um, so that's great. So you definitely are a partaker of the of the plant. A hundred percent. I do utilize it to help me sleep. Um, mm. You know, different different um, moments of what I need. I'm very specific on the strains that I use, uh, the breakdown of THC and CBD to help me. Um, you know, with different elements of my life, whenever whenever I need to have uh, some support. So I'm definitely very very huge cannabis advocate. Um, End user for sure. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely beneficial, especially it sounds like you, you know, there might be a little bit of stress to what you do. <laughs> Could be mm -hmm. a nice little stress reliever. So tell us about Thrive, uh, Thrive Societies. And, uh... Sure, I'd love to dive into that. Well, you know, Ecofarm Holdings, PBC, um, as, you know, you'll see on our recent press releases, um, we, that is our parent company. Um, we own seven subsidiaries under that parent company and soon to be 10 subsidiaries. Um, our core business model and core brand is called Thrive Society. This is how we're known in the market. Um, and our business includes distribution, uh, managed services, logistics, direct-to-farm business planning, strategy, um, and support for bulk cannabis distribution on the buy and sales side. Um, and in addition to that, we have a proprietary technology uh, that our company has been building over the last three years that further uh, helps support 
and enable farmers and buyers to increase their efficiencies, um, you know, and effectiveness within this fragmented supply chain. So uh, we work with, gosh, I think we're over 400 farms at this point, um, wow. independent, locally operated farmers. Um, we also work with over 100, 120 buyers right now who are all users of our technology and depend on us to support them with the predictability on the buy and sell side uh, of the market. And yeah, it's been, it's been quite a wild ride. Um, over the last three years, we've sold over 60,000 pounds of products, um, wow. which is quite a lift. Yeah, coming from, you know, being very bootstrapped. We're, we're a legacy company, as we say over here in California, um, being <laughs> bootstrapped, and, you know, founder funded, if you will, a lot of blood, sweat and tears. Um, you know, we've been through a lot of different hurdles um, throughout the years, throughout, you know, regulation, uh, changing in regulation, the different license types that we have all have a different set of rules, um, et cetera, from nursery to cultivation, distribution, and manufacturing. Through this experience, we've gotten our bumps and bruises, and we've definitely, you know, been through the ringer, if you will. Um, but now, fast forward to where we are today with our technology, um, our, you know, turnkey SOPs, our standardized quality control, um, all the bells and whistles that we offer our supply chain partners um, so they no longer have to make the same mistakes that we did and have that efficiency right. and effectiveness right away by plugging into our tech. Right from the get-go. From, so from seed to sell, you help support the farmer, and it sounds like every aspect of their business. 100% for the farmer, we're very upstream facing. So we call, you know, direct to farm bulk is upstream versus downstream would be um, business to consumer or delivery model or packaged goods model. So we focus very much with our farms, being farmers ourselves and understanding what they're going through. Um, you know, most of them at this point don't have any type of ERP. Uh, most of them are keeping accounting on Google spreadsheets as well as inventory. They do not know what's selling to the brands. They don't know what the consumer trends are. They're disconnected from the stores, uh, you know, on the downstream side in Los Angeles and the cities. So where we bring in value for them uh, very much has to do with planning, uh, strategy, what clones they're going to grow, understanding mm. their regionality, their appellation, um, their historical crops, the issues they've had, and we help direct and, and plan around uh, their specific uh, environment and microclimate on their farm to guarantee that the product that they grow has a place on the shelf. So they're very grateful for that. And, you know, it's, we're continuing to, to try and scale this, this integrated farm program, we call it, um, to where the NorCal predominantly Legaston um, mm -hmm. continue to have a place in the market and continue to have that, uh, that partnership that we offer. That's really amazing. That's that takes a lot of pressure and stress off of a business owner, and especially if you know you're doing something you love, which is farming, and then you're trying to make a business out of it. That that's two different things. Those are two different ball games. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and and uh, I know for myself as a business person, I'm not the best left brain. I can do radio shows all day long. You ask me to do accounting or anything, I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to go crawl in the corner and cry. <laughs> So I'm sure that's extremely appreciated. Um, and tell tell us about uh, the sponsor, the spots you have for the. Um, looks like you've got a, a bronze, silver, and gold uh, opportunities. 
Yeah, I can talk about that a bit. Um, so, you know, we offer three different membership tiers for our managed cannabis services and the farms that we work with. Um, our gold tier are exclusive farms. So they work with us exclusively. Um, we have a right of first refusal for everything that comes off their harvest. We prioritize our gold members when it comes to you know, trimming services, um, processing into oil or rather manufactured goods, um, highlighting their farm on our consumer packaged good brand line that we have uh, called Lifted Legacy, and working with them year-round and making sure that they are at the top of our list when it comes to whatever their needs are and market opportunities. Um, our silver tier is a right of first refusal on a portion of their canopy. So if they want to say, okay, Thrive, you know, I have this, this canopy, this greenhouse allocated to a different company, and you can have, you know, 50% of what's planted. So that is like kind of a portion of the right of first refusal on their crop. And then bronze tier for membership is their new farms who want to try to check us out. You know, oh, here's a 50-pack, here's a 100-pack, let's see how the sales go. Um, but they are allowed to work with other distributors. Um, they don't have the access to different features and support mechanisms from our company and our team that our silver and gold members have. Right. Wow. And uh, so looking at your, your Legacy Farms uh, website here, these are just a few of the uh, farmers that you work with in, in California. Correct. That's a very, very few of them. Um, we launched our, are you looking at the Lifted Legacy website right now? Yeah. Yeah. We launched that brand last March. Um, pretty exciting. We're in over 120 dispensaries already, which is pretty, that's pretty good traction, you know, for, yeah. especially for this year. Um, and we will continue to develop, you know, their, their farmer profile pages and highlight these multi-generational farms. Um, who have been in this industry for way longer than I have uh, and have definitely different secrets and genetics and, and tips and tricks passed down year over year, generation over generation. Uh, we really feel like they should be the front-facing faces of this industry. And sadly, you know, there are people who are dominating that space uh, as far as being, yeah. you know, the face of the industry. These legacy farms are getting forgotten, um, which is yeah. which is definitely unfortunate. I love the name Legacy Farm because it's true. They do hold a legacy and these folks have been doing this for, like you said, a lot longer than we've even been around. <laughs> so, 100%. Mm-hmm. And it is, um, it's sad because there are, it's, it's going corporate again and, you know, in that, in the sense that you've got a couple names that are going to take over this industry and become the face and, and they're not necessarily the best names with the best practices. Correct. Yeah, the the supply chain is really consolidating um, way faster than I ever imagined. Um, You know, there were different mechanisms that were planned to be in place around the regulatory framework, everything having to do with no license stacking being allowed, um, which means, you know, any entity or any person was limited to an amount of licensed canopy space. Um, There was also promises from the state that the legacy culture and farmers and cannabis industry, you know, folk would have prioritization when it came to legalization, when it came to grants, when it came to, you know, perks in the industry and pushing licenses through, um, you know, all of these different things, sadly, uh, did not come into effect. And the state over, 
oversupplied, you know, all of the cultivators are with licenses, and there's some very large companies coming in that are, are very stacked. I mean, we're talking 100-plus acres of cultivation licensed canopy versus many of the Northern California legacy farms are maxing out at maybe a half acre. Um, the largest farm in Mendocino is just over one acre uh, versus really? Santa Barbara and Salinas. You're looking at 44 to 100 acre farms. So um, definitely lopsided um, when it comes to the Northern California production and the Southern California production and the regulatory framework that the counties have allowed uh, in the two different regions. Well, that was my next question was the, the size of farmers that you work with. So it sounds like they're, they're pretty grassroots. Um, and I didn't realize how small the farms are because out here, you know, yeah, you're talking hundreds of acres and that really, we don't, we don't have a program in Arizona like you guys do. We can't just, not just anybody can open a dispensary. It's limited to 160 licenses and those licenses are slowly but surely being bought out by the corporate, uh, corporate cannabis uh, companies that are, you know, across this country. So they mm-hmm. definitely are pushing the little guy out. There's no mom and pop farmers here. Um, uh, unless, you know, they're doing it, you know, illegally. So it's pretty sad, but I'm glad to see that you're getting to work with, with farmers that are, you know, just starting and some that are very experienced. What do you, what do you tell to somebody who, let's say, let's say like myself, let's say I want to move back to California where I'm from, Northern California. And um, now Napa, I'm from Napa, so that's not a really good <laughs> example probably to say, oh, go ahead and grow because they've, they've got strict guidelines in that area. Um, but what, what, what do you tell somebody that wants to, to get into the business that way? Right now, given the oversupply uh, that we're all feeling in the space, you know, I really encourage farmers to continue um, who are really good at what they do, for lack of better terms. Um, there yeah. is a lot of product, uh, you know, in the market and, and definitely coming off these, these very large multi-stack licenses where their product is subpar. Um, you yeah. know, we're, we're talking grade and sadly right now I'm sure a lot of these these larger corporate farms are feeling it um, because the product won't sell if it is not high grade triple A double A cannabis um, so in that regard farms that continuously don't have the best product year over year uh, that I've worked with for many years you know it's, it's it could be time for them to find another a route uh, in the in the supply chain to work through um, but any new person coming in, to answer your question, uh, to, to farm here in California, really I would encourage them to make sure that they're masters of their trade and that they have a brand or a distributor uh, with a market opportunity that they are, you know, they're directly growing for. They have a, a purpose, growing for a purpose, essentially. Right. Um, hold on one moment. I'm having some technical problems again here. Okay, that should be better. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, it's what the kind of medicine, quote-unquote, that we're seeing out here, especially in the recreational. I mean, even in the medical field, um, I grow my own, so I'm very picky about what it is that, that I use. Um, mm-hmm. And when I've gone to the dispensaries before just to try something out, the, the products they give you back, even the, the prepackaged ones especially, they're, they're just 
I, I'm flabbergasted at how poor quality comes out of these packages. And wow. that people are accepting that, yeah. Um, it's it's pretty sad, especially given that we've got such a limited amount of people that can grow here. You think you would want to find, like you said, you know, you got to have the talent for it. <laughs> it's not easy. Definitely, it's not easy. And I think some of these larger corporations thought it would be a lot easier than it is. They, you know, thought, oh, it's just an agricultural product. Um, however, you know, cannabis is highly nuanced. Every phenotype and strain is highly nuanced, um, as well as every microclimate and where you grow them. So. Uh, it's not an easy turnkey, uh, you know, uh, ability to, to have success in the farming space for cannabis. It's it's very challenging. Oh, absolutely. Not everybody can can farm this. So yeah, and there are, you know there are other avenues. Uh, I think a lot of people are falling into the get quick rich in all of this. They're seeing just the numbers, you know, the billions that are all being projected. To, and uh, and it and it's true. It'll happen. Um, but you have to know where your where your skills fall in this uh, in this whole realm. <laughs> Not everybody can be a grower. Hundred <laughs> percent, I agree. Awesome. So, what do you have coming up in the in in your future? What are your your next goals? Well, um, we have a lot of exciting uh, things coming up here in this next quarter. Um, you know, over the last three years, having the growth that we've had in Thrive Society and the company, um, our, you know, our, our clientele has increased, our volumes increased, our revenue has uh, greatly multiplied over the years exponentially. And, you know, through the last three years, as I mentioned before, uh, we built this proprietary technology that streamlines the supply chain. Um, Drive Society, uh, the licensed uh, company here in California, has been the operational arm uh, for this technology, and we've lived the proof of concept. Um, So now that we know it's successful, we understand the need uh, for it deeply in the supply chain, we have additional features we're rolling out as well, we have spun off this technology. Um, We will be launching our new press release with the name, uh, and everything in the next couple of weeks, I think around the beginning of January, we're having having that come forward, and we'll be taking our technology to another state. So we oh, are wow. looking at, yeah, we're looking at other states that have a similar, you know, regulatory framework, independent locally operated farms, uh, and the fragmentation that we experience over here in California. So uh, that is going to be really exciting. Um, we'll partner with an operational arm, um, so a licensed company in another another state that we choose and have them utilize our integrated farm playbook. Um, Everything from our quality control standards, um, all the features that we have with the technology, uh, the quantifiable value uh, propositions that we offer, the business planning and strategies with the farms that we offer. It's it's what we call a playbook. So we're seeking good partners out there uh, and looking at other regions to be able to implement um, the technology and therefore help support other states streamline their the industry that they have uh, locally in their region. Really excited about that. That is very exciting. Now, do you also work with uh, hemp farmers as well? You know, currently we don't work with hemp farmers, but the technology at large would, would be fantastic uh, in the hemp industry. It's extremely yeah. fragmented. And again, it's the exact same product um, as, as cannabis. The regulatory framework is obviously a lot more open um, so some of the compliance nuances that we 
uh, support within our technology wouldn't necessarily apply to hemp, um, but everything else when it comes to the bells and whistles definitely would apply to, to a hemp marketplace, uh, futures exchange, and our entire you know, tech-enabled supply chain platform 100% globally. That would be a very interesting um, place to, to do a proof of concept as well. Oh, absolutely. I think hemp is going to rival the cannabis industry completely, especially with the industrial technologies and um, fibers and hempcretes and things like that. Absolutely. That's very exciting for you guys. 100%. I look forward to being able to explore that as well. Yeah. Um, now, as far as quality control, now, do you actually, you have agriculturists or scientists or people out there sampling the soil and from from seed up, how do you control the quality of all of the products? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, quality varies a lot, and it's, it can be uh, very different even on the same plot with the same farmer, um, you know, same harvest even, the quality mm-hmm. can, can differ a lot. So, you know, part of the quality control that we provide farmers is making sure they're growing the correct genetics for their region. Uh, we mm. have standardized SPs uh, when it comes to grading, sorting, curing, um, the post processes of the product. And we also have our farm success managers that are boots on the ground. So they'll go to the farm, uh, work with our farmers, assess the soil, um, look at any issues they might be having. We have IPM, uh, which is integrated pest management to support you know, non-pesticide use so, so the product doesn't get contaminated. So we really work uh, very closely with the farm and try to mitigate any quality issues before the plant is even harvested. Um, now, once the plant is harvested, farms can process it or trim it and manicure it on site at their farm um, if the state allows it based on their license type, or they can give their product to different trimming companies or processing companies, as we call here, uh, to bring that product fully to that finished flower form. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean the quality is perfect at that point. Um, right. We then bring in the flower. We do testing ourselves. So we have a, th- a couple of third-party testing labs that we work with. One in particular we're partnering with, um, and we'll be exclusive to them. And they have also created a, a digitally focused um, platform within the third-party lab testing to further uh, evaluate the quantifiable quality and value of the cannabis product. So when you look at a a wholesale pound and you have 150 different varieties in front of you, if you will, you're looking at the sorting, the the nose, the terpene levels, the moisture levels, the manicure job, the strain choice, um, all of these different elements. You know, some some flowers, sadly, uh, what we see most of the time, I would say probably at least 65% of the time right now, um, is, uh, is is a detection of molds and fusarium, oh. blood rot, powdery mildew, you know, all of these different, uh, you know, bacteriums that are present in the flower. So um, it's, it's devastating when this happens. And farmers, sadly, um, you know, they don't keep as close of an eye as they should on some of these issues to get ahead of them and mitigate. And obviously with agriculture, there's only so much you can do. Um, but we really try to quality control every single nugget, every single pound that goes through our inventory, um, making sure that we don't have any, you know, bacterium and, and mold uh, detection in any of the products. Because if we take that product to a sale, 
um, it will be rejected immediately and it just, you know, trickles down the whole back of the supply chain. It's not fun. So, you know, partnered with our very strict QC standards, our quality control standards, um, along with our third-party lab testing partner um, and our marketplace where our buyers and, uh, you know, stores, brands, as well as farms can go onto our marketplace, access all the information, photos, lab tests, terpene levels, moisture levels. Um, there's going to be, or there already is, uh, the ability to really start to, to drill into the value uh, based on all the comparables that are listed as well. Um, so, you know, right now, beauty is in the eye of the beholder with cannabis. One person may love one thing and, and the other person will not like it, uh, the way it smells, the way it looks. So really buttoning up these data points um, and creating that quantifiable value is, is where we're headed next as well. Wow. I just had like 400 questions go through my head at once just in all of that. That's so why do you think, well, here's one, why, why are farmers being careless with their, their products enough that you're seeing 60% mold and yeah. other contaminants? I mean, that's horrible. Yeah. It's, it's, quite frustrating and flabbergasting to say the least, especially myself being a cultivator. Um, you know, if I have a, a greenhouse running and I'm seeing any type of, of, you know, beginning of peach fuzz, we call it, I mean, I'm on it and I'm out there cutting down, you know, any detectable spores yeah. and, and, and really boosting the ground with that. Um, I think that the farms, you know, especially legacy farms, they have, right this year, they're you know, they're struggling. There's not a lot of uh, capital and, and cash injection into the upstream space. Um, a lot of farms held on to their 2020 product too long and therefore oh. couldn't sell it. So they wow. are struggling on a, cash, on a cash flow level. Um, however, I think it really just has to do with time and care and, and there's a disconnect. Um, legacy farms, Northern California farms, and people who have been in the industry for a long time there is an element of being spoiled, for lack of better terms. Uh, you know, product was never hard to sell. Um, you know, the buyers that would come in and, and take product, they were not very picky. Um, historically speaking, farmers got paid really well um, over the last many, many years for product. And so there, there's an entitlement element where farms, they don't, haven't wanted to listen um, through this regulatory rollout and, and understand, they don't want to understand you know, what happens on the downstream side with the wholesale purchasing and buyers down in the showroom in L.A., um, and they don't want to listen. <laughs> so I think it's a little bit right now a, a, a combination of just, you know, they think their weed is the best weed and they don't want to necessarily cooperate, and they, and they don't necessarily have enough money um, to spend the extra time and hire the extra employees to really break down and comb every single bud that comes off their farm, which is required. Um, they should be doing that, um, but most of the time they don't, and we will do that for them. And then our time to comb through all of the product, which is very, very time-consuming. Well, you would think that they would realize in the end they're spending more money uh, on having you pick out bad buds uh, versus just spending the money in front and having someone make sure that it isn't bad. Correct. And if they leave even the tiniest bit of spores in a bag or, in, you know, in a container of product, 
enough product to sit for, say, a week, well, the spore is going to multiply. The bacteria is going to spread. The mold is going to grow. So uh, we definitely see that a lot, too, where farmers are sending down full batches of product, and it's not fully cured. It's not fully dried. And so whatever spore is within that, one week later, it's grown, uh, and and it does spread. Yeah, that's surprising to me because I'm I'm pretty freaky about mold and I my my train of thought is if you can see the mold already, then it's already all over everything else and that's yeah. just the way mold goes. A hundred percent, you're right. So why were farmers holding on to their twenty twenty crops? Was it a pandemic thing? Did they think they were gonna run out of weeds? That's a great question. Yeah, it's fascinating year over year with the supply chain. Um, you know, part of our core competency as well over here at Thrive is that we have been collecting this wholesale upstream data um, for many, many years. So we have visibility on the changing of the pricing, uh, the market mm-hmm. trends, seasonality, et cetera. So historically speaking, around April through July of every single year for the last many decades, there's an increase in value for bulk products. Um, We usually call this the dry season. So, you know, end of July is when a lot of the first mixed light uh, harvests hit, and then those harvests will continue for all the way August, September, October, November, and December. This is the flood season. Um, By April, it dries up and the price of cannabis goes up. So in 2020, the farms, you know, were definitely holding out for a a higher price, if you will. Um, 2020, when COVID hit, the very beginning of that, is that 2020 or 2019? Yeah, 2020, the price has spiked. Everybody was at home. Nobody was at work. Everyone was going to the store and getting cannabis. And, oh, by the way, we're essential workers now, so that was fun. Um, And, you know, the farmers definitely took home a, a great profit on their product that year. Um, however, you know, this year, a lot of the farms held, you know, their previous harvest, their 2020 harvest into 2021, thinking the same dry season and spike was going to happen this spring. Um, and unfortunately, way too many farms held their product. And come April of this year, the prices went down for the first time in cannabis history. Uh, there has been an insane amount of, of flour that the the prices just continue uh, to decrease. I've seen it level off over the last few weeks, um, but I do not think we're going to have, you know, that dry season that we've so historically counted on uh, to be able to have those higher profits in April and May. And and who would have thought, you know, first of all, who would have thought we were essential workers? That was like, that's pretty mind-blowing right there. (laughs) Mind-blowing, I know. Yeah. And and you got to have a good chuckle because, you know, it, it, had this happened 10 years ago, I don't know, had we, we would have been essential. Um, but I love that we were and everyone used cannabis and still uses it to get through um, their aches and pains and anxiety. This, you know, pandemic has yeah. created anxiety in, in everyone. So can I ask, how much is a, a pound of, of good stuff going out there? Right now on the wholesale market, uh, we have AAA, amazing, uh, you know, light depth and greenhouse and full-term flower selling for around $500, uh, which is extremely low. I've, I've even seen some, you know, A minus, B plus selling for as low as $300 a pound. 
this is basically 30 to 35 percent of, of what we're used to in the cannabis industry in California. I'm sitting here with my mouth open right now because I can't even believe that just came out of your mouth. That's insanely low because out here, yeah. you're talking, well, ounces are going for three, $400 out here. Wow. That's, that's wild. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, pretty sad. Um, I do think that there's going to be, um, you know, a lot of operators that fall off after this year. Um, sadly, right now, at <laughs> this time, everyone's calling it the extinction event. Um, over here in the oh, wow. chain, so, as well as some of the large corporate farms and companies are not doing well. Uh, I don't think there are going to be, you know, every single operator is not going to make it, you know, through this year into next year uh, on, on on big scale and small scale operators. And why so, do you think hopefully that? Hopefully it'll, well, I think that, you know, this Bloody. glut, this by, you know, the large corporations have missed their mark, missed their projections. I'm sure investors are not happy. Uh, and then the smaller operators, if they struggled, you know, coming into 2021 and then now at the end of 2021, that's a, that's a double whammy there uh, on their pocketbook. Um, there's a lot of lending and credit that's available for more retail-focused operators, um, brands and deliveries that are on the downstream side. But right. there are no, you know, and there's no access to credit and lending for the, the wholesale operators on the upstream side. So they, they can't take out a loan or, you know, factor a purchase order quite yet. Um, we are working with a couple of groups right now, and we'll be implementing and launching that here very soon to allow uh, extending terms of credit lines and loans for farmers to get through this moment. Um, but it's, it's been really a really challenging year for them. Well, that's great that you're going to be able to offer some um, opportunities for that because, yeah, that's, that's you know, everyone has this glorified image of um, what it is to, to be a, a grower, a farmer, and it's not what they think it is at all. And, in fact, a lot of people leave the industry very quickly after they come into it. They think, you know, when we've been in this for a little over 10 years now and um, – we we see people come and go all the time, not even just in in our area, but the dispensaries, uh, the certification mm -hmm. centers. Um, people have this idea that they're going to walk into these cannabis fields and just become filthy rich without lifting a finger. <laughs> well, that is, uh, yeah, that's the end of the day. I have this funny meme uh, that I like to, to post sometimes, and it says, yes, I've I poured in, um, you know, the last 20 years of my life, all my life savings, and what I have left is this T-shirt. And it has, you know, the that on the T-shirt. It's pretty funny. Um, the yes. barriers of entry are high. The regulatory nuances are ridiculous. The overtaxation is insanely extreme, uh, along with a very challenging agricultural product. So it is not for the faint of heart. It takes major grit uh, and passion to to stick out cannabis, uh, the cannabis industry, for sure. It sure does. It's good to hear you say that because it, it really does. And it's, it's not, you know, it may be very rewarding, but it's definitely not the easiest thing you're going to wake up and wish to do all day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, given that this has been my entire adult career, um, it's definitely my passion. Um, you know, people call me a subject matter expert. I definitely know the flower really, really well. And uh, I love it a lot. And because I love it so much and have loved, 
my experience, you know, through understanding this plant, uh, I'm really passionate about bringing this medicine out to everybody in the world, being able to touch anybody uh, who needs access to it. It keeps me going. It definitely keeps me going. Some days I'm just like, oh, my goodness, uh, especially when the regulations change. Or, oh, by yeah. the way, January 1st, the, count, the state is increasing taxes, uh, which is just absolutely mind-blowing. Um, but, you know, I, I, I stick at it, and I'm still here. And I think that over the next few years, we're really going to see a lot of maturation within the industry, and things will start to level out. Um, and, you know, some of the operators will fall away and new operators will come in who have a smart, lean business model that's actually creating solutions uh, to the problem of the fragmentation. Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, there definitely needs to be a uniformity so that I really think everybody who wants to, even though, yes, it's hard. I mean, anything that's worthwhile is hard. But I think anybody that wants to have a hand in this industry should definitely have the opportunity to try it. You know, it's not like, you know, if you want to go open a shoe store, we joke about the next business we we open is going to be a shoe store because, you know, there's just not the legal problem <laughs> in opening a shoe store. Oh, <laughs> so, so why is that? You know, why why can't opening a cannabis business be like opening a shoe store? It should be that easy. If you need a loan, you should be able to get a loan. If you need training, you should be able to get training. If you need a bank account, you should be able to get a bank account. <laughs> so yeah, And that is one of the, the really kind of mind-blowing realities where we're not treated like a traditional agricultural supply chain. Um, right. You know, we're zoned differently. We have different uh, ADA requirements. We have different CEQA requirements. Uh, we've been put in this segment where they're scrutinizing every single drop of water that the cannabis farmers use, and then next door, meanwhile, you have broad daylight, 110-degree weather with sprinklers of water blasting over almond fields, uh, you know, over the wine as well. There's just it, the, the discrepancy in what traditional agricultural operators are subjected to versus cannabis is is extreme. Um, and I think, sadly, the state, I don't know if I should blame the state, but, you know, they, we're set up to fail in a way. I mean, we're overtaxed and overregulated. And it's, it's definitely not fair. Um, I really strive for the cannabis industry on a, on a larger scale to really be able to teach big agriculture how to rebuild soils and topsoil and conserve water and have biodiversity within their growing and their crop rotation uh, and be able to support ag big agriculture in our growing practices as cannabis farmers. So uh, that is definitely a huge part of my passion um, and really strive to, <laughs> to make sure all of the other agricultural farms are held to the same standards that we are, pesticides, water use, et cetera. Absolutely, because at the end of the day, it does, you know, what, what you're giving to somebody is what they're putting in their body. And that that needs to be pure. That needs to be without, you know, bugs and molds and chemicals for, you know, crying Correct. out loud. <laughs> chemicals that when you heat them, they turn into something else far to more toxic than, you know, anything you've ever heard of. Uh, so that level of quality really needs to be there. I agree. I agree. I would love to take, you know, some samples from Whole Foods and organic stores and and different, you know, quote-unquote organic farms around and go test them to the same Category 3 pesticide panels that we're subjected to. Guarantee they would not pass. 
Wow. I did not know that 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 testing was that deep. Yeah, they should. They absolutely should. Anything you ingest should be tested that deeply. That's crazy. I agree. Yeah. Awesome. Wild world. Mm -hmm. It is. It's the wild world of weed out there. And, um, you know, hopefully, uh, thanks to good folks like you, we're going to have quality control down the line uh, from seed to sale, and especially environmentally. I mean, we we really need to, I believe, you know, we need to turn around and and fix our relationship that we have with our planet. And uh, I think cannabis is going to be a huge way we do that. Oh, I agree. There's so many uses that can be implemented with the hemp and cannabis plant, whether it's replacing biofuels or plastics or hempcrete, as you mentioned before, building materials, paper. I mean, the list goes on. There's so many ways that this plant can be integrated and and help, you know, turn the planet and environment around. Um, We're in an interesting place right now with global warming and the losing of our topsoil on most of the planet. So, you know, I really I really hope that, you know, this is a, a fantastic opportunity for us as humans on Earth to be able to create different choices and make their, our future greener, if you will, um, you know, integrating more hemp and cannabis use on all levels. Oh, amen. Absolutely. Um, I, I think it's going that way. I think, you know, well, I hope, I guess, I'm just being optimistic, but <laughs> that which is a good thing. But, you know, I... I think that more and more people are seeing what's happening to the planet and how, um, and with, it's interesting with this as a medicine, the amount of scrutiny it gets from the average user is unreal. Like you don't see people go into target, grab a bottle of Tylenol and go up to the pharmacist and say, Hey, what's in this bottle? When was it made? Where is the manufacturing building? I want to see it. Can I see the COAs for Tylenol? They they just don't do it, you know? And I think they're going to turn around and start questioning what it is they've been sticking in their bodies for so long. Because if we had done that for this long, we probably wouldn't be in this uh, opioid epidemic that we're in. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. I agree. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'll have to come to Arizona sometime and you can... uh, Give me a tour of the, the dispensaries there and, and the supply chain there. I'm very unfamiliar with, uh, with your state and, and the whole rollout that's happened over the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. E- excellent. Yeah, I look forward to meeting you and we can hang out and have a pipe or a brownie <laughs> or something. <laughs> Fantastic. Tell all our listeners where they can contact you um, if they would like to get in touch with you. And we're, we're not sure of this mystery magical state you're opening up in soon but um i'm sure you'll have that on your website for everybody to see but tell us all how to get in touch with you if we want to yeah well you can find me on linkedin um danielle dow last name is d-a-o um and i am also on instagram so that handle also is danielle dow at thrive society and my email is danielle just my first name at thrive-society.com Awesome. Very, very awesome. Thank you so much for taking time out of a busy day to hang out with us over here on Weed Day Wednesday and educate all your listeners. I've certainly got a handful of questions still. Have to have you on again, and um, we'll see how the future future takes you. And hopefully we'll get to hang out in Arizona, and who knows, maybe we'll have some business adventures together. That sounds great. I really enjoyed our, our time together and look forward to the next one. Thank you so much.
Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, and have an awesome day, and say hello to my great state of California. Awesome. I will do that. Thank you so. Have a great one. Thank you. All right. Danielle Dow, everybody. Wow. Wow, wow. I would have to be hitting indica bongs all day long to get through all the left brain that she deals with on a daily basis. I don't know if I could do it, but it's really awesome. <laughs> and it's something that's so necessary. From seed to sale, you have to know um, where you're going, your projections, what it is you're growing, what you're growing for, like she talked about the different regions and, and, and what grows well where you are. Um, I know we're here and it gets to be 110 degrees sometimes, so I'm not so sure. <laughs> That's a lot of fans and outdoor air conditioning, if you ask me. Um, so check it out. Uh, you can check out tumbleweedshealthcenter.com and um, read a little bit more about Danielle. And like she said, you can catch her on LinkedIn, Instagram. I don't know if she said she had a Facebook, but you can go to also um, there is uh, liftedlegacy.com um, with their legacy farms. And then uh, they've got uh, Thrive Society, elevating the culture of cannabis, which we all need. Cannabis needs a culture elevation, that's for sure. So Awesome. Wow, I'm so happy that our show has worked this entire time. That's really fantastic. Except one glitch, one little glitch. That was my bad, though. My fault. I'm trying to get the delay out of our conversation. I know there was one. I apologize. But this show is just, just the way it is. Um, so thank you for tuning in to Weed Say Wednesday. If you do want to get your medical cannabis card, you can come on down to Tumbleweeds Health Center, 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Come on down and get certified. And if you're wondering what you can get certified for, let's take a look at the list. Just go to uh, TumbleweedsHealthCenter.com and go to the certification section. You can actually book your appointment right there. The little book appointment button. Looks like a little wood chop, wood, wood brick, brick of wood there. Um, what conditions qualify you for a medical cannabis card? PTSD, cancer, glaucoma, AIDS, chronic pain, severe nausea, seizures, including epilepsy. HIV, Hep C, ALS, Crohn's disease, agitation of Alzheimer's disease, cachexia, wasting syndrome, severe and persistent muscle spasms, including multiple sclerosis. And you're also eligible for a medical cannabis card if you are getting treated for something that might not be on the list, but the treatment is causing something on the list. It could be causing migraines or nausea or even seizures, unfortunately. Um, all sorts of stuff. It could be causing wasting syndrome. A lot of people start taking medicine and then they can't eat. So that's not good. So come on down and you can get certified at Tumbleweed Health Center. If you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification health and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. That's right. Give us a call, 520-838-4430. Also, you can come on down, 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. We're on the southeast side of Broadway in Swan. We are open six days a week for certifications, and we offer telemedicine. THC Tucson at gmail.com is our email. If you want to shoot us an email, you can do so there. Also, let's give a shout out to the Good Leaf, our new shop. It's the Hemp and CBD Marketplace. 
and that's at 6224 East Seaway. Come on down. Come come uh, visit our new store. Come shop local. Come get some really great hemp and CBD products. We've got all sorts of new products in there. Um, yep, we've got all the Charlotte's Web, Medterra's, uh, Chief, uh, everything, you name it. Slumber. If you guys are having sleep problems, we've got this great company called Slumber. Um, and they have uh, CBN, which is good for sleep and for nighttime. Yep. We are discovering all sorts of new cannabinoids. Uh, CBG, good for glaucoma, intraocular pressure, and certain types of cancers, inflammation, and pain. Um, so I love it that they're discovering what all these different cannabinoids are doing because that was my whole thing. You know, a long time ago, I want to know what weed works for what, if you will. How's that for alliteration? Um, seriously, when someone comes in and says, oh, I have you know, RA, rheumatoid arthritis, or I have BDD, or I've got wasting syndrome, or I have AIDS, or I have stage four cancer, but it's this type of cancer and not that type. Like we're, we are down to the wire getting uh, great, fantastic scientific results uh, on what those strains, and more so they're going to, I think they'll get, you know, I'm sure you always have strain names, but more so they're going to focus on what cannabinoids, and what levels they're at, and also uh, the terpenes, and what levels they are within our plants. And hopefully they're going to focus and make sure there's no bugs and molds and, and, and bad things like that. Yeah, those things are gross. So, um, let's see. We are at that time of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Danielle Dow, thanks for um, coming on air with us. Nicole, thanks for giving it to us. We really love having you on the show today. So many more questions. And, yeah, come out to Arizona, hang out. And next week, uh, we do have a guest next week. I just don't have my calendar up. My apologies. The show told me I had to quit every program before I opened this one. So that's what I did. And I didn't write it. Well, we do have more guests coming on, so tune in. And uh, send a show Christmas for the best food. Remember to shop local folks this year. I know Amazon's fun and easy, but um, it's hard work to keep a local business open, so be sure to visit your local business owners and shop local. Remember to be smart, be safe, and educate. We love you guys. Happy Tuesday, Wednesday. Have an awesome day. Be good to each other. And just smoke a lot of weed. Thank you.